Good morning, North Shore. I hope you're doing well today. I wish we could all be together, and hopefully that'll happen soon. As you know, we're, we've been uh, talking through the Psalms. That'll be our, our summer series. And I'm excited to, uh, to be bringing you Psalm 62 today. But that's not where we're going to start today. Our journey today actually begins with Jesus. And I'd like to read from Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I love that passage because Jesus, and that's our first point, models our dependence on God. Jesus models to us how he enters the day with silence and prayer before his heavenly Father in heaven. The urgency was there. Everyone is looking for you, Simon says. He could have gotten up even at daybreak and stopped to talk to the first people who he he met right there that were out and about, and he never would have gotten to spend that much needed time with God. Now, Jesus was God who came to earth in the flesh with all his glory and power and authority and far more stamina and capacity than his disciples had. If you remember, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane all night, and he had to keep waking up his disciples Remember to ask them to pray for him? Do you remember the intensity of that experience? As he was spending his last night as a, as a free man before his crucifixion, spending that night crying out to God and sweating blood, and to know that in a few short hours he'd be betrayed by one of his own disciples who he'd come to know and love He'd spent so much time with him. Imagine the pain of that. Jesus knew the importance of being renewed and restored and to be in communion with God the Father. And his refuge was in God and God alone. And his dependence on his heavenly Father was crucial to his ability to stay in the daily battles and to be with the overwhelming crowds that were in ever-increasing demand of his services. What is it for you? Are you feeling rested and refreshed these days? Why not? What does life throw at you every day that has the potential to wear you out, to run you down, to distract you, and to suck the life out of your soul? Maybe it's not physical stamina that you're lacking. Maybe it's the overwhelming emotional stresses of the world right now. Is it the global pandemic that shows no sign of ending or 
maybe our struggling economy? Is it social unrest? Maybe it's fear. That alone can stop us in our tracks, can't it? Where does your hope and help come from during this uncertain season? Let's pray. Jesus, I know we're probably all over the map in terms of how we feel and um, what we're dealing with, all of our circumstances and the isolation that many of us are feeling. But God, I pray that today as we read Psalm 62, as we look at David's life and his struggles and what he's dealing with and his um, unwavering trust and dependence on you and you alone, I pray, God, that we would be inspired, that we would turn to you first and foremost, Lord, knowing that so many things around us fail us, but you don't. We can trust in you. Thank you, God, that you are a God that, that loves us, that knows every intimate detail about us, and a God who, who chose to come and die on a cross so that we could be with you forever. Lord, we, we um, have ears to hear today, and we, we um, wait for you to speak. And we thank you, Lord, that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read Psalm 62 together. Verse one, it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God tests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his works. That first uh, two verses, let's read those again. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. 
He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Point number two, David models our trust in God's protection. Why is David waiting in silence here? Well, as we know, David is king over Israel. And as he writes this psalm, but he also recognizes that his life is in trouble right now. His throne is being challenged by his son Absalom and those that he's already turned against his father. And just as God delivered David from the claws and the teeth of the lion and the bear when he was a mere shepherd boy, remember that? Tending and protecting his sheep. David knows that God alone can deliver him from what is threatening to topple his kingdom. So he waits on God and he recognizes that he alone is his deliverance or salvation and the only one that he can fully depend on for protection from these potentially devastating circumstances, right? Verse three and four, and he goes into those right here. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless him with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. See, while pretending to be loyal, David's own son and his followers are plotting treachery to take his throne and to ultimately betray his father. Can you imagine how David must have felt being betrayed by his own flesh and blood? And yet, he did not use his power or his authority to crush the rebellion. He waited on God. Verses five through seven. He comes back to what he started with. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. See, even as David is in the midst of this great rebellion in his life and his future, his kingdom, his throne, they're all in such a precarious position, right? David chooses once again to acknowledge that God is the only source of his peace, his protection, and his provision. My refuge is God, he says. This is not the first time that David has recognized God as his refuge. In Psalm 46.1, in fact, it says, God is our refuge and strength. And in Psalm 91.2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And earlier in the scriptures, God speaks of the, to the, or of the descendants of Abraham, and he says this, I have chosen you and have not rejected you, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's from Isaiah 41.10. You see, David could stand firmly on God because he knew him to be trustworthy. 
And God had chosen him, right? From the, from the time he was a young shepherd boy. Do you remember? And he, and he delivered the giant Philistine, Goliath, into his hands. God did that when all he had was a sling and some smooth stones. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Third point, David models our trust in God's provision. I'm curious, what does it look like for you to pour out your heart to God? As you know, we can tell God anything. And we often confess our sin to God and we share with him our needs and our wants. But as David has shown us through his words in the Psalms, we can share our uncertainty with him our anger, our joy, our tears, our fears, our disappointments, our excitement. And it's interesting. In this current season of our country and our world, so much of what we used to be able to count on or depend on or trust in, it's gone, right? Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Been a lot of hope deferred lately, hasn't there? There is so much uncertainty, and it's hard to say what next year or even this coming fall is going to look like, right? David tells us to trust in the Lord at all times, to pour out our hearts to Him, and that God is our refuge. However, sometimes, sometimes I think we need to be in a desperate situation where we've tried everything else and we've come up empty and broken before we realize that God in his glorious kindness and his mercy and his love, that he is truly our rock and our fortress and our hope and our salvation and our refuge. Last week in Psalm 51, 17, David recognizes that the only sacrifice is pleasing to God was a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. You remember that? And if you remember, even last week, Josh said, I realized that I hadn't fully surrendered my agenda to him. I'd made him my savior, but not my Lord. It's huge. Is God your refuge? Is he your shelter? from the storms of life that, that threaten to topple us from our plans and our agendas. I wanna share a, a story with you. First of all, this, this photo. That's my staff team uh, from the Alaska Project. In 2004, we were going for uh, a, just a, an amazing weekend of catching king salmon together. And last time I preached, I actually showed you a photo and told you a story about John, if you remember, the 44-pound king that he caught. So it was an incredible weekend. We looked forward to it every summer, and this summer was no different. So we gathered up everything. The staff went in three days early to, to secure our, our special spot. It was actually the only place on the river 
that we could really, 40 of us, think about that, 33 students and seven staff, 40 of us, 40 people could camp. It was the only place on the river, and it was the best spot. I mean, it had a huge hole. There was tons of kings in there. Every year, we went to the same spot. We called it the Shekinah glory hole because it was beautiful, and we felt like it was God's provision every time we went. So this year, we gathered up everything as a staff. We went in three days early, but we were running a little bit late that day, and I started to get just this the sense of foreboding, like it, it just didn't feel right. And so we hurried and finally got to the launch place, which was probably three miles that we had to float in two different rafts with all the supplies that we needed for the weekend. All the food, the, you know, the big tent where we cooked and all the stoves and gas, gas and all the stuff that we needed. The students brought in their backpacks and their own their own clothes and their own tents and stuff. But everything else, we set up ahead of time on that beachhead. And so we had two rafts that, <laughs> yeah, that we needed to take down and just float. We had no motors on them. There were about three miles we had to go. And as soon as we pulled up there, I saw a little boat just start uh, moving its way down the river from that launch site. There was a, like a, an older man and, and I think this young girl that were with him. And I knew in my heart that they were going to that spot and they were gonna secure it. Because every year they saw us go early and we secured the spot. And so this time they got the jump on us. And so they, they were gonna have it. The local people, they were gonna have that spot. They knew how good it was. And there wasn't obviously room for 40 more people, which is basically our group. But just to make sure, I sent two runners down, um, down the, the, there was a trail, and I sent them down the trail. They got down there and they radioed back, sure enough, this, um, this guy and his daughter just, just secured a spot. They threw a bunch of stuff out on the beach and my heart sank. It had been 18 years we'd had that spot, 18 years. And now we didn't have that spot. And there was nowhere else that we knew of on the river that we could put 40 guys in the Alaska wilderness. And so, what are we gonna do? So I just gathered everybody and, and uh, well, here's our options. We can go back home. We can scrap the whole weekend. Maybe we can take a day trip and go you know, hiking or something. <sighs> My heart was broken and I was like, okay, what else could we do? And then it occurred to me, about three or four miles back, we could launch those rafts on a different river that fed into the Susitna. This river I didn't know as well. I'd only floated twice, but I knew about a mile or so down there was a beach that could handle 40 people. But it also didn't have a trail. So when the students came three days later, they'd have to cut a trail down to that beachhead. And it was getting late. It was like 9.30 at night. And I was like, oh, okay, it's not dark because it's Alaska, right? But it was getting darker. And grizzly bears come out at night and the moose were in their calving season. And when they have babies with them, they are very dangerous. And I didn't know this river well. And I knew there were sweepers that could take us out. Or in these rafts, once they're loaded down, you can't really maneuver them very well. And there was some rapids. And there was some, there was some things that I didn't know about. And so we got, to, we got back there, and we got all loaded, and we prayed. And I'm telling you, I cried out to God at that moment. 
I just cried out to God. I'm like, Lord, you know, you know what we're about to face. It feels risky. It's way beyond my control. And it wasn't just me that I was worried about. I had 40 guys that I was, I was responsible for. I did not want to make that phone call at the end of the weekend to someone's mom back home about their son being injured or worse. So I just poured out my heart to God. And he met us in a huge way. We didn't miss that beach. I was afraid if we'd missed the beach, it was a five-mile float down to the mouth. And that was a dangerous takeout as well. But we made it. We got set up, and we had a phenomenal weekend. And God grew my trust and my faith in him that day. Psalm 62, 9 and 10, it goes on. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. What is David talking about here? I think he recognizes that his enemies were trusting in men and money. Neither of which we're gonna be able to deliver them. And people, regardless of whether they have the means to offer help or security or not, cannot ultimately save us or rescue us in our greatest need, right? And extortion or robbery, they're quick ways to procure ill-gotten gain, but inevitably they too lead to destruction. And even riches gained through honest means will never take the place of God's protection and provision. So David was just laying all this out here for us to see. F.B. Myers once said, how often have we looked for help from men and money in vain? But God never fails us. And then David uh, concludes here this psalm. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. You know, 1 Chronicles 29, 11 reminds us, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven, in the heavens, and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. All power belongs to God, and David recognized that. And in Lamentations 3.22, we're also reminded that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. This reminds me, you guys, probably six years ago, I left the ministry that I was a part of, turned in my resignation, didn't know where I was going next. I just knew that um, we needed to, to step out in faith and trust God for his next mission for us. But it felt extremely risky, and, and I felt alone. And I felt like um, 
I don't know, I was just dealing with a lot of pressure that was right before Christmas, I remember. And I was like, oh my goodness, God, what does next year look like? Because I, I had no prospects on the horizon. And I wanted to process this with a friend of mine. And so I, I met him at Starbucks. And I walked, I remember I walked into the Starbucks and he was sitting at a table over in a corner back when you could do that, right? And I walked over to him and he stood up to give me a hug and all he said was this, Mark, he loves you. And I just lost it. You see, I knew God loved me intellectually, right? I knew that. I'd done studies on that. I'd preached on it. But to hear that from a trusted friend, God loves you. He loves you, Mark. It made all the difference in the world. When we read that, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end, we have to believe it. It's in God's word. And it's told to us over and over and over and over again. We can put our trust in him. We can, and we can pour out our heart to him. And I think this is an awfully good season to do that, don't you? God's word is full of stories, isn't it? And proclamations of his power, his greatness, his unfailing love. And like David, who was at the brink of civil war and betrayal, losing his throne, Whatever it is for us, we can put our trust in God, in God alone. You know, as we wrap things up here, I, I want us to check out this, this slide that's coming up right now. This is who David said that God was in this psalm. Just this one psalm. This is what David says. You can read it right there. God is the source of my salvation. Another word for salvation is deliverance. It says that four times, right? The 1B, one, the one that's, that's related to the second half of the verse, right? The A is the first half. C is, is well, the last. B is kind of in the middle, right? So 1B, 2A, 6A, 7A, that's what that stands for. Four times. God is the source of my salvation and my deliverance. Three times, he says, God is my rock. Twice, he says, God is my stability. And he says, God is my hope. God is my glory. God is my refuge, he says that twice. Having all power, God is having all power. And God is a source of steadfast love. See, for David and for Jesus, God the Father was their own one and only refuge. He was the shelter from the storms that raged around them and the ultimate source of their hope and their peace and their strength. Who is God for you? Do you know him like David knew him? as we've seen in the Psalms? Do you know about him? Or do you really know him? You know, if you're like me, I discovered that 
Obviously, I couldn't do it on my own, right? And I love this. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus gives us this beautiful invitation, and I'm gonna read it from the message. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You want to live freely and lightly? I know I do. So I want to share with you a simple spiritual practice that can help us stay connected with God throughout the day. It's called the one-minute pause. See, David knew what it was like to pour out his heart to God and what it was like to be silent and to wait on the Lord. Psalm 46.10 reminds us, be still and know that I am God. So what I'm going to do, I have my timer here, for the next 60 seconds, I want us to close our eyes. Take a deep breath and slowly let it out. Let out your anxiety, your tension. This is important. <laughs> Give everyone and everything to God right now. Just focus on him. And if your mind begins to wander, you can refocus and just say quietly, Psalm 62, one, for you alone, O God, my soul waits in silence. Okay, so we're just gonna do that for one minute. I'm gonna set the timer for one minute. I advise you guys to do this when you, when you practice this on your own. Just set your phone for one, your timer for one minute, okay? Close your eyes, take a deep breath, slowly exhale. Focus on being silent before God. Here we go. One minute. Was that hard? <laughs> it seemed like it took forever, didn't it? 
but it's a way that we can just prepare ourselves to just to be in God's presence, just to hear from Him, just to let all that stuff go, and to be silent before God like David was, despite his circumstances, right? So we're gonna do one more thing. 60 seconds, okay? 60 more seconds. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want us to name or write down two or three things, just two or three things that are troubling you right now, okay? Just get them in your mind or write them down. Take about the next 30 seconds, okay, to do that. Just 30 seconds. Two or three things that are troubling you. Just write them down. Get them in your mind. Okay, you got them? Okay, so for the next 60 seconds, I want us corporately as a church to share those with the Lord. I, and I've just got a few examples here. You might say something like, Jesus, I give you my worry about my finances. Or Jesus, I release to you my anxiety about my kids' schooling this fall. Or Jesus, I give to you my situation at work. Whatever it is, give those burdens to Jesus right now. And he will. He will and he can take care of those for you. So let's do this. For one minute, just come before the Lord, the quietness of your own home or your your own heart, one minute to share those two or three things that are burdening you right now. Just share those with the Lord. You ready? I'm going to set a timer. Here we go. Okay. One minute. A one minute pause just to wait on the Lord and to be silent before Him. 30 seconds to think through burdens that you're carrying right now. And one minute to give those to the Lord. My friends, 
if you could do that several times a day, it would mean so much to your life, to your communion with God. Just two and a half minutes, a couple of times a day. That could even happen when you're at a stop sign, right? Or not a stop sign, <laughs> a stop light. Stop signs are a little quicker. Stop light, you gotta wait, right? And you could do that. Just, just be silent before God and wait for him good time for us to do that. We can trust the Lord for our salvation and we can also trust him in our daily circumstances and those things that trouble us, keep us from sleeping at night and worry us to no end, right? Just like David did. Let's pray. Lord, it's so good just to be quiet. <laughs> Our world, it seems like it's just spinning at a million miles an hour. And it's so easy to get caught up in that. 24 hours a day, we could be just so wrapped up in everything, Lord. And so much of it is not good news. So much of it is troubling. And yet I thank you for Jesus, his example, his, him modeling to us how on various occasions he went away and he spent time with his heavenly father in silence and in prayer. What an example for us to follow. And David as well. He was going through such a difficult time in this Psalm and yet we learned so much about his relationship I pray, Lord, that we would take those things to heart. And I pray also, Lord, that we would model to others how we can have a calm, even in the midst of the storm, how we can trust in you, how we can pour our hearts out to you. Thank you, God, for your trustworthiness. Thank you that, we can be, that you can be our refuge in the midst of the storms that we're facing right now. And thank you, Lord, for your incredible authority and power and steadfast love as well. We love you, Jesus. In your son's name, amen. Thank you, my friends, for joining us this morning. I want to uh, invite you to the prayer room. We have that every Sunday, every service. Um, just look in the, in the notes there uh, online and you'll see the, the invitation, the link to the prayer room. So please, I know we spent a little bit of time in some of those things that are really troubling you right now, but we'd love to spend some more time praying with you just for those things, even if you'd like, or something else. So please join us in the prayer room right after this and uh, we'll see you again soon. All right, thank you so much. Bye-bye.